Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being. The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I'm ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi, teaching the pursuits of God, which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Here, marketplace ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness podcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate. Hi, lighter. I'm going to light you up today, y'all. Actually, I'm not God's going to, but uh, I'm pumped about this message. I'm pumped about being on pedal and preach. In case you haven't seen the slight shift, we are now pedal and preach. Pedal and preach on the Fit and Faith podcast. You guys can tune in at any point. What up, Ryan Austin? Super pumped to be here. What's up, Transition Mom? I'm going to be talking about parenting today uh, through the lens of the Lord. I feel like I've been called higher in that regard. I think we all are. All right, Ryan, I'm jumping on with her name is Robin Arzon and it's the pop ride. It's so funny. I I end up choosing rides of like 20 or 30 minutes because that's always been my intentional goal with being on the pedal is like, let's go. I'm going to do 20 minutes. It's going to be fire. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, you never want to leave his presence. You want to stay in the mist. You want to just ride it out, right? Ride out his glory. And so I end up being here for like an hour sometimes. Um, I don't know that I've ever actually done 20 minutes. So hopefully you are ready to ride, ready to stay on par and do longer than 20 minutes. But either way, I love you. Thanks for being here. Um, it's, it's fun. This has been such a fun season. I'm so grateful. So for those of you who are parents and those of you who are going to one day be parents or those of you who are far removed from that space, either your children have grown or you don't know that you're ever going to be a mom or dad, you've had a mom or dad. And so this is a conversation that I know is going to be so impactful for you because fathers and mothers are the lineage to generations to come. That's, that's like, there's no negotiable in that. That's truth. (laughs) That's just how the world works, which is why the identity crisis that we're having associated to gender confusion is such a tragedy because we already have seen that the American population based on projections is decreasing and decreasing and decreasing one because families were having smaller amounts of children. And now because people aren't having kids at all because they're in gay marriage or They can't have kids because they're getting things removed and changed and adjusted in transition. And it is causing chaos. It's causing chaos in their body, which then is causing chaos in their environments and their homes. That is then going way far beyond. Already the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, for giving me boldness and courage to talk about things that are real and raw and happening. And 
I have a heart for because I have a heart for humanity, but I really, that's not even what I came to talk to you about. So I am just hopeful that as, as I speak in love, as I speak in truth, that those who are listening to this can too feel empowered to speak up and share about what is of God and what is not of God. And it's a part of parenting that we have to be willing to have the hard conversations with our kiddos when they're asking really big questions. And also to be able to rebuke in kindness, rebuke in love when culture is trying to take priority in what should be a Christ-like life. All right, you guys ready for this? Uh, This weekend, I'm going to be speaking at uh, a conference called Triggered for Purpose. And specifically, it's around the concept of crave and what we're craving. And you can think about a thousand things. But yesterday morning, after my time with the Lord, I started creating the slide deck that was going to be associated to it. After reading from Judges 17, you guys got to get into Judges 17, whole new revelation on Micah and Micah's mom, and the generational lineage of Israel, which is the chosen children, which is you. (laughs) When we look at the Bible, we're so often like removed from scenarios. We can't comprehend how in the world it applies to us. Sometimes even the language will go right over our head. And I was reminded yesterday when I was unpacking it that the simplicity of the word is so crystal clear that we as humanity are so used to like, foggy lenses. We're so used to filters. We're so used to things that we feel like we have to look deeper. Like, no way is that real. That's not, there's no way that that's true. And the in-between lines of the word, right? There's that meanwhile, there's that lingering that Jesus does with us. There's that impressing from the Holy Spirit that happens where something is ignited to you. And you're like, was that me? Did I self-generate that idea as you're reading the word, as you're developing a presentation for a keynote? It's too good. (laughs) It's too real to be unreal, right? Everyone's leaning into coincidence. Everyone's leaning into um, the self-made millionaire. If you're an entrepreneur in here, nothing about your development is self-made. Now, I'm on a Peloton right now, so... Yes, it took my body getting in here. Yes, it takes me physically opening the word for me to be able to to share from this this ideation, this wellspring, this place of fuel, right? I was texting a friend who was like, I'm going to sleep right now, and I know you're waking up. This is around 3.30 this morning. He's on the Pacific Coast time, my partner, Adam. And uh, we're having a conversation. He's like, go, go, get on the Peloton. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I've got to be fed first before I can feed others. This is a role of a parent. We have to be fed first before we can feed our children. And so I'm creating this Crave Conference deck, and I'm thinking about all the things that I've craved in my life that are out of alignment, that are culturally driven, and all of the things that the Lord calls us to crave every single day, which ultimately is just one thing, and that's Him. And so the simplicity of Christ is, mm, it's like palpable. It's like, uh, I'm thinking of even just in this moment, probably because I'm thirsty, (laughs) a sip of water, right? Mm. When you're thirsty, there's nothing more hydrating. And yet there's nothing more simple. 
People crave a soda. They crave coffee. Coffee before Jesus. No. Jesus before coffee. Yes. Processing the priority that we are creating with the things that we crave, why we're craving them, what it's causing in our life, and what the intention is associated to said craving. So let's think of something from a healthy perspective for our children, because that's where I want to go with this conversation in Micah here momentarily. We're going to unpack Judges 17 to 18. And I, I crave my children's love and attention, right? And yet there's an element of earning in that. They're going to love me always. I'm their mama. At least I hope so. <laughs> there might be that season there. They're on a the therapist's couch. I know I was with my own mom, but I always loved her. There was never a question of my love. It was a question of intention, a question of, of access, a question of tradition, right? And so we pick away and we prod away at things, but Christ dwells and remains as the hierarchy of constant, the hierarchy of love, the hierarchy of life. He breathed life into you and me. He breathed life into your parents. He breathed life into our children. So there's a symmetry point that all of us are connected in. So the parent, I might crave their love and attention, but I feel in my flesh that I have to earn that love. Unearned love only comes from Christ, right? Not true. (laughs) There's more from that. Like my kids don't do anything to earn my love. They just are loved. And so there can be this friction between our intention and the way that we prioritize our children, especially sometimes above our spouse. I'm seeing this happen right now in a relationship where the child, an adult child, is being prioritized over that person's connection with Christ. Y'all, you cannot misalign or misprioritize anything in your life if you're craving it above Christ, even your children. So this, this show, even though we're doing it right now, it's in the month of May, and uh, my Nana actually passed away two years ago this May, an unexpected death um, that happened tragically and just personally, it was horrific in the way that she went from healthy to unhealthy overnight. And I'm always remembered and reminded that her healthiness and how she appeared on the outside was not necessarily indicative of what was happening on the inside. And so what appeared to have this massive shift overnight was something exterior that happened based on a sickness that had been dwelling on the inside for so long. But in the natural, all I could think about was, this doesn't make any sense. This came out of nowhere because physically, I couldn't see what was ailing her. Similar in our mother-to-child relationship, We often don't see what's being planted as seeds in our children or us as parents, and then something blooms. So an example could be anger, right? Could have nothing to do with the parent-child relationship. It could be due to stress in your environment, stress at work, stress from finances, all these things that are not Christ, that are culturally driven. And from those cultural driven elements, it's implanting seeds that are going to bloom something of sinful nature, anger, something that's going to create a chasm between you and the relationships that God has given you. And so when you think about craving and you want love, but what is showing up instead is anger, 
is that um, chasm piece where you're actually constricting yourself away from said relationship. People do this in marriage all the time. They're like, I want to be seen, known in love. I want to be in this marriage. They said, I do at some point with a wholehearted intention. I pray to be with that person. They loved them at one point, right? And yet we see these divides. We see divorce. We see these elements of chasm. Remember God, just like in the word is in the middle of those chasms. But are we faced towards him or are we faced towards the confusion and the chaos? Goes right back to identity. If he's in the middle and he is our focus and our concentration, all of the other things come into clarity. But we don't allow time for that because of our supersonic nature, because of our microwave mentality. We're going so fast that everyone feels overwhelmed. How can you be in a state of peace if you're overwhelmed at the same time? I'm speaking to myself right now. I don't know about you. I look at my schedule sometimes and I'm like, whoa, I just spoke for eight hours straight yesterday with all the things I was doing. That's a long time. And at the end of the day, when I'm exhausted, I think, wow, I did that to myself, right? But the glory piece of that is that when I intentionally build in my time with Christ, no different than pedal and preach, I have this overflow because I'm being fed by God. He's feeding me so I can feed you and he's my intention and he has my attention because of said intention. And therefore I operate in my schedule in a place of overflow rather than a place of striving and overwhelm overflow versus overwhelm. Who wants that? Let's go. So parental roles. We're going to tie this all together. Thank you. Judges. Thank you, God, for this word that is yours and yours alone, that is steadfast and true and never ending, that is sealed in your goodness and your mercy and your compassion, that is sharper than a two-edged sword that equips us and calls us into your loving arms as a father and calls us up as your loving army here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I thank you for the angel army that's listening today. I thank you that you're sending your angels into the homes, the hearts, the businesses of the people who are listening right now in Jesus name. God, that you're going to war on their behalf. Oh Lord, you're so good. You fight our battles for us. You are the ultimate intercessor. You stand in our place and you cry out to God, Abba, Father, take care of your children. Bless them. Remember that you sent me for them. Oh, that they are good in nature and they are good in heart. God, in everything that the enemy means to kill, steal, and destroy, you will move. You will move by your blood, by my blood, says Jesus. Mm. And in your resurrection power, they will operate. In your resurrection power, they will exist and bloom and become all that you've called them to be, God. May they crave Christ instead of culture. Oh, may they crave relationship instead of religion. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your word. In Jesus' name. So Judges 17 is actually a story about Micah. And what happens when Micah creates false idols and from that place of false idols ends up doing religious things like hiring a priest and thinking, I have my own personal priest, right? This is so empowering. Kind of speaking to the Catholic Church right now. You guys have your own personal priest that you go to a house 
And God is actually wanting to just have a relationship with you directly. The priests are incredible when they're coming from a source of overflow, not when they're coming from a place of actually creating a conduit connection that is severing your direct relationship with Christ. Differences. So if there's any Catholic practicing Catholics or previous Catholics on the commentary right now, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Um, I'm always learning, always becoming myself. Um, but from my understanding of how Catholicism is practiced, there is an inhibition from access to the Lord. Micah does this, and we see what happens because of this inhibition, because of this essential chasm that has been placed and replaced with an idol and a priest, Christ can't be seen and known and loved. And he cannot communicate over the chasm if your fixed focus and ears are only on the said barrier. Whoo, I'm preaching to someone right now. You have a barrier that you've positioned. I take ownership in the things that I position between me and Christ. Even if it's been culturally gifted to me, I have to be responsible. I have to take ownership because we have a part of that choice. That's what free will is, right? So even in the places from parental perspective where tradition has been impacted and compound, where belief systems have been compacted and compounded, first off, we know that Christ can sever those things and he can be fully known in our lives and redemption exists even in the massive chasms that we've created or have been created on our behalf. But I take ownership in my faults. I take ownership in my missteps. Remember, just like I take ownership that I'm on a Peloton right now to move, to speak, to go live, to get a ring light, to have a mic, right? We have to do these things, have the goodness and intention of Christ. I I take ownership, good and bad. So Micah doesn't necessarily do this. In a lot of the conversations, you see he's taking a victim mentality when the people of another tribe come in to take the priest, they also take the false idols. Because guess what happened when that priest was anointed into this earthly cultural position? He starts to actually activate towards the idol too. So my question to you, just in this parental perspective, is what have you created as an idol in your life that now your children are idolizing? Ooh, it's a tough one. Is it your food? talked about water. Is it soda? Is it sweets? Is it money? Is it achievement? I could keep going on. We're talking about craving, right? Is it people? Is it accolade? Is it affirmation? Have you created a child that needs your attention 24-7? Remember, we have to take ownership. We blame it on like this neediness. My mom was like, go outside, go play, girl. When the lights come on, come in. As a helicopter parent, have we created the own tension and friction that we've designed? Is that on us? Is that on cultural mentality of projecting fear constantly? And therefore, we cannot let our kids out of our sight. We cannot let our kids, this is something that we did, climb on the outside of the playground because that's not the rules. You you can't let your kid do that. That's not how they're supposed to be on there. They can't play like that. Uh, I don't see rules of how they climb on a playground. To me, it looks like an apparatus. 
To me, it looks like a tree. They can climb wherever they want. They are capable. Are you trying to confine them into the rules and boundaries of education, of a political system, of a racial class, of an economic class? You can't act like that. You can't wear that to church. Why? It doesn't change their identity when my kiddo's in the sweatpants and a sweatshirt because he's comfortable. I just want him to be happy. I just want him to feel that joy. Now, mind you, there's date night that I make him dress up for. Or put on a dress, baby girl. Let's get, let's get that ownership, that confidence piece. You can be confident in sweats. Here I am, early morning, having brushed my teeth yet. But you can also be confident with class based on fashion and what you wear. Simple thoughts. But are you creating something that they then think their identity rests in? And if they don't have that thing, it draws away their confidence. We crave so much as a society. And Micah is craving attention. He's craving class, title. He's, he's craving access even to God, but through conduits that are not of God. He wants to be the, the warrior, the man up front, the man in charge. It's interesting that this is a Mother's Day conversation and I'm talking about a man and the role of a father. But you have to stem back to the beginning, right? The Alpha and the Omega. We're so focused on end times. We're so focused on when he's coming back. But Genesis, the creation, actually instills our identity and our truth patterns to how we actually can become like Christ. Because we have to know Christ to become like Christ. We have to know his lineage. We have to know his tradition. We have to know the prophecy connected to it. Otherwise, we're pulling things out of context, and that's where the prosperity gospel comes from. That's where the grace-only church comes from. Righteousness and sanctification, big churchy words, I know. Essentially, always becoming filled towards goodness and mercy. All the days of your life have to come from somewhere. Micah came from somewhere. This is where we, as mamas and dadas, get to create ownership and recorrect. I don't care how old your child is. You have an opportunity to recorrect. They can learn and glean and see the fruit of your life today. So there's no shame. There's no condemnation. I get it wrong all the time, y'all. I'm coming from a place of love to say, hey, let's go higher as parents. Let's go higher as Christians. Let's go higher as the leaders in our communities. I know my husband and I are meant to be um, parents to orphans, people who, who don't have an active mother and father, who, who may have an active, depending on what you culturally see active is, mother and father, but not a present mother and father, not one who is actually overflowing with love and actually teaching them the ways of Christ versus the ways of culture. We're going to keep going back to this because Christ is over culture. Christ is over everything. So here we go. Let's look at Micah's mama. She only has a couple lines. And that's why I think so often, especially in with women in the church, we, we just kind of breeze past them. And yesterday morning, I had an opportunity to speak with several mamas who are mompreneurs, CEOs, not only of their own households. I love this. The executive uh, owner of said household, the CEO, right? So good. The chief 
organizing officer, the COO of the home and all the kiddos, right? And that might be a, a dad. I know plenty of dads who get to play that role and they're so good at it. It's such a gift to have either or, no gender discrepancy in that. But moms and dads do play different roles, even if your titles might overlap, okay? Because you're of different nature from Christ. That's why we need both Adam and Eve. Adam couldn't sustain all of Christ inside of his one body. And therefore, he pulled Eve, he pulled emotion into a woman. And that's why we have to have both and. You see this in the problem. Ooh, this is good. God, you're so good. You see this in the problem of humanity associated to identity right now. Because either there wasn't a present father or there wasn't a present mom. So Mike has a mom. I don't even know if they ever mentioned his father, which is interesting. I'll have to look into that. But it says this. It says that one day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. So first off, he heard her curse. To me, I, I understand that as she was actually either cursing out loud because she was just mad. She was just PO'd at the situation or she was speaking to God. I, I believe that she was speaking to God based on the next couple sentences that she said. He admits, he says, well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. So first off, Micah, not so much an honest man because he's only coming out of a place to say, I don't want to be cursed, and therefore I'm going to give you this money back. It was almost like a, I'm going to pull the rug from underneath you. You don't have a choice but to fall. But he did come in some sense of integrity to tell the truth, even if it was out of fear. And her response is this. The Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. He returned the money to her, and she said, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. All right, we got to pause here. The Lord bless you for admitting it. So she went from cursing him to immediately blessing him based in his action. And then he returned the money to her and said, I now dedicate these silvers coins to the Lord in honor of my son. I will have an image, false idol, carved and an idol cast. She clearly was not that connected to Christ to even consider creating a false idol. Because that's literally what her lineage, again, tradition, compounds. If it's not of Christ and it's a culture, it compounds. And we now exist in this place where like everything feels like sin. Everything feels like it's from the enemy. But is it? It's mainly from generations past of sin carnal nature. So she's taking something, turning it into a false idol, and she's literally gifting it. To her son who just stole from her and likely only admitted it because he didn't want to be cursed. Hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about that in natural terms right now. If my kiddo came up to me, I used to actually do this to my mom. I would steal money out of her purse. It was like coins. I was just buying candy bars, but it's still the same, <laughs> right? I was, I was doing it out of my own fleshly desire of something I wanted. I wasn't telling the truth. I was doing it in secrecy. I would actually get on my bike when she wasn't home or when she was doing something and I would ride up to the close convenience store, buy candy. And guess what? I got told on every single time because we lived in a really small neighborhood and everyone had eyes on everyone's kids. 
sadly, we don't really live in that type of environment anymore or that type of, I guess I could say neighborhood, but maybe again, helicopter mom, maybe that's on me because I haven't created enough relationships for eyes on, but no one's home. Or if they are home, they're on their device inside. So they're surely not looking outside their window to see if a kid is driving by on their bike. Anyway, I'd get caught, and if I got caught, a couple of things could have happened. If I hadn't eaten the candy, obviously the candy was confiscated. And we lived in a really healthy home, so I imagine they threw it away. They could have been like my husband and stashed it until he had a sweet tooth urge and ate it in the middle of the night. Babe, we're working on that. Always becoming. And, um, or, and or, I would have to pay the money back, either out of my own allowance out of my own piggy bank, which I likely didn't have any money in or I would have used, and I would have to do chores. Mama, okay, I think I'm like sinking over here. My, my knees are getting closer to my feet. I think my Peloton is like literally, it is, it's going down. Hold on, we have to have this conversation, but before long, I'm literally gonna be on the floor. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what is happening? I moved this thing since uh, the business scaling experience last week. Okay, oh, that feels so much better. My quads were burning. So she would rebuke me. My dad would rebuke me. Discipline is not even conversated here with Micah and his mom. There's no discipline. She, he comes, he does it out of, I think, guilt or desire not to be cursed. And she immediately blesses him. Y'all, discipline is so critical. And rebuking in the name of God, truth connected to that, where was the lesson in this? There was no lesson. But again, tradition from idols that had been created, from wanting likely, because I don't hear about the dad, to just be in communion with her son. I don't want to lose this relationship, so I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to dedicate these coins to you in honor of my son, right? She makes it sound really good. And two things happen. She says, I'm going to dedicate these silver coins, 1,100 coins. Well, when he returned the money, she only took 200 coins and made the idol. So now she's not fully being honest. She's exampling word versus action. Come on, y'all. Pick this up for your family. Are you saying one thing and doing another thing for your kids? <laughs> My son last night was like, Mama, can we watch a movie? I'm like, definitely not, boy. It's, it's nine o'clock. He's like, what? He just got out of the bath home from jujitsu. He comes over and he looks at the clock. He's like, Mama, it's only 8.48. Why do parents, why do adults always round up? You guys are just trying to trick us into thinking we need to do something faster and go to bed. I'm like, man, we're found out, people. We're found out by the nine-year-old. We extend the truth. Are you extending the truth? Are you telling your kids maybe when the answer is always no? Or can you be honest in the explanation and truth premise on why the answer is no? Associated to gender identity, associated to gay marriage. Can two girls marry each other? I've gotten this question a lot from my kiddos because of the school that they go to and the exposure that they've had since a young age. They no longer are allowed to watch Disney or Nickelodeon or TV pretty much at all. No longer regular YouTube unless it's about sports cooking or sports cooking or animals. Sports cooking or animals. And I had to address this conversation very fast with truth. It's sharper than two-edged sword. 
Remember, I can cut down a lie really fast. So can you. But if it's not premised in truth and it's premised on a half truth or it's premised on being politically correct or it's premised on wanting to not hurt anybody's feelings or to draw them away from another relationship. I don't know what it's premised on, but if it's not premised on truth, it will not sustain as positive fruit bearing trees. You're literally going to plant seeds of deceit inside of your children's mind. And then as they decide to self-generate and choose their own things and go culturally into a truth system, little T truth, you are like, culture did that to my kids. Society is so tainted. Look at what my kids have access to now because of social media, because of TV. These shows are so devilish. They're so evil. Who pays the TV bill? Who buys the groceries? We call this landscape design. And you've never heard this before. Micah's mom was not so good at it. She probably had other false idols in her house in order for her to even have the idea. And if she didn't have false idols, other people in the community had to, because otherwise, if she was fully premised on the truth, Bible, truth, on God, he over and over says, no gods are before me. No false idols. All the false idols of Baal, literally all the generations before her have literally fallen based on false idolship. And here she is doing the thing. And so there has to be an ownership piece. She had a choice in that moment. Dedicating the money to the Lord. Tied it all. Come on. What was lost is now found. So it already is a gift back. Right? And so do you have money or a blessing that has come in? It could be mailbox money. We were talking about that yesterday from investments that you have. It could be a reimbursement check that you didn't know you were even going to get. It could be a blessing or a gift from someone else. It could be, I don't know how often this happens, but an overpayment rather than an overdraft. Are you receiving, have you received overflow or a blessing, a financial blessing I'm specifically speaking to? What have you done with the money? Have you put it to work? Have you invested it? Have you gone out and spent it because you didn't think it was there anyway? So you're like, oh, play money. Is money really ever something we should play with? If it's a resource, I don't play with my time. I don't play with my body. Actually, that's not exactly true. Because I definitely have a sweet tooth sometimes when I'm in seasons of apathy or overwhelm. That's one of my... I will crave some... I want to eat a whole gallon of ice cream. I want a huge bowl of popcorn. What am I craving? I gotta be honest with you. I'm here talking about honesty. I'm like saying that. I'm like, hold on. I've put, I've put lustful eyes in front of my husband. Again, chasm. What are you putting there? Especially in front of my husband, which is also in front of Christ. We have to focus in on him. So whatever has culturally compounded who get you to the place that you are, your children are watching you. Walk the walk and talk the talk. Easy peasy, okay? When we do this, and she actually took that money, creates the false idol. Now her son is taking this false idol and he hires his son. So her grandchild is now being positioned into a place of another false idol, a priest. 
when who knows how old he is, but a personal priest was not a role that a child should be playing to its parent. Are you allowing your child to be looking into your life? I'm taking a pause because I'm losing internet on one of my sources over here. Are you allowing your child to be the source to your light? Or are you allowing Christ to be the source to your light? I think a lot of parents do this. We put our, our babies before our spouses. We put our baby's will and needs before our will and needs for, with Christ in that relationship. Remember, overflow versus overwhelm. Think of nursing my children. If I was not constantly hydrating myself, they could not receive milk. And I had terrible milk production when I was nursing. I didn't get to do it as long as I wanted. I wasn't eating accurately. I surely wasn't hydrated to the sense that I should have been. I didn't know Christ at that point. So I was in a state of depletion, operating two massive companies as a 29-year-old. Depletion. Depletion makes us yearn for something. And when you're in a space of culture, culture is going to get its way. God wins. He trumps everything. He's already victorious. But if you're allowing, because you just want the quick win, you just want the quick fix, drugs, sex, alcohol, all these things are going to be your quick fix answer. You're just going to hire your son. You, you cannot do these things. And yet we do them all the time without really thinking about it. My source of love and light and energy does not come from my baby's hugs. I love them. I adore them. I want all the snuggles and cuddles. I want all the kisses. But I can assure you, I still have my identity. And I still have love and attention and affirmation and validation. Because I have value from a God who loves me and can embrace me in any given moment. And who has gifted me a spouse to do the same. Covenant love. Covenant love. Again, I, I've got to go back. I'm so glad that this has been brought to my attention that I don't ever hear about his dad. So I want to go fast forward to what happens because of this false idol, which was only gifted from the mom, okay? Generational gifts, generational passes, generational bondage will be created by you if you do not sever them right now in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we got to get right with our cravings before we can, we can impart anything but truth and love and light to our children. Otherwise, even in goodness, even in thinking that we're giving, even in thinking that we're leaving a legacy, I hear this all the time. What's your why? Oh, I just want to leave a legacy for my kiddos. We'll have you acquit your kiddos financially to receive and to utilize that well and wise. Come on, Micah's mom didn't. We, we think that we're going to be giving something as a legacy to our children. But are they inheriting trash? Are they inheriting something that seemingly is an amazingly abundant resource that they are then just going to flood through? You see people do this with the lottery. You see NFL players do this. They get the fortune and then they blow it. You see people who are in Hollywood who receive the fortune and the accolade and the fame and they're completely void. And they go on to take their lives. I don't know about you, but I'd love to leave nothing other than a Christ-like craving in my children. That's all they need as their source. 
abundance, every single resource that you could possibly need comes from there. So this false idol was taken from the people who were actually going to destroy the town in which Micah and his family lived. It was by the, tr- the tribe of Dan who rebuilt this town that they actually destroyed an entire peaceful town. So they were doing things out of a lie from the false priest. <laughs> the priest himself had adopted Micah's mom and Micah's household tradition. So when he was asked the question, instead of being priest-like and Christ-like, he actually tainted the truth and said, go in peace for the Lord is watching over you in your journey. Not true. Because then he gave somebody access to go and destroy a peaceful dwelling city of the Sidonians. Sidonians. Sidonians? Sidonians. That sounds good. So this priest was then taken by the tribe of Dan from Micah. Remember, the enemy will take the thing you falsely idol, and then you'll be left depraved. This is so good. You got to listen to this again. I got to listen to this again. I'm not coming up with this but from anyone other than the source at this moment because I have not thought about this angle. Again, even the father. Whew, God, it's good. So they renamed the town Dan, um, which was originally named Laish where the Sidonians lived, and they took ownership again. They wanted the title. They renamed the entire place. They restructured this place, and they set up the carved image, and they appointed, this is so good, internally, they appointed Jonathan, the son of Gershon, the son of Moses, as the priest. This family continued as priests of the tribe of Dan until exile, So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. Meaning, generationally, this idol was worshipped and worshipped for generations to come. What are you generationally planting? What are you giving your children that is creating a culturally sound versus a Christ sound a little T truth versus a capital T truth. It starts with you. It starts with you. And it might finish. Their life might finish because of you. We have a responsibility, friends. We are not just moms. We are not just dads. We are called. We are anointed. And we're creating generations to come. And so I challenge you just like I challenge myself every single day. What can we do better? What can we give away as trash and jargon and lies? What can we generationally literally sever in Jesus' name so that we can exist in the craving of Christ versus the craving of culture? I love you guys. My little baby looks like she's sick. She just came from downstairs, and so she needs my love and attention. I'm grateful for you all. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any feedback for me, any ideas from Micah and Judges 17 through 18, any additional revelations that you might have, I'd love to hear about them. If you get them to me in the next week or so, we can include it in the introduction for this so that this is a community conversation and not just me teaching. Um, that's a part of creating a church, right? Is that it's about the community as a whole. And so activate, go be the church because of this conversation today. Um, I'm hoping that this gives you tools and weapons to fight warfare, even inside of your home that you had otherwise not even thought of. I hope it calls you higher into what's in your refrigerator, into what goes into your mouth, what goes into your eyes, what goes into your ears and that of your kiddos. 
Just know that culture is breathing death and Christ is the only thing that can breathe life. Love you guys. See you later. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this is going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to. And I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener. And I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.